morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of the Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. <coughs> and me, in it. I'm about every single here. time. Every single yeah? time. Yeah. More <laughs> out here. We could never have a, a normal introduction. Obviously. Got to put a little spin on it. Oh, well, it's the Sunday before Christmas, and all through the house. No, I'm joking. Oh. <laughs> Gas. You know what, we're on the tight schedule, so let's just get the delve right into the thick of it. Story time. Story time. Mm. So last weekend we had Poetry Pizza on Polaroids. Oh. Oh. It, it was it was a good it was my first one. His first one. Was first, how, how did you find it? You know what, I actually really enjoyed it. Because um, I haven't actually sat down, well I did write a while ago for church purposes. But um, to be able to like, not write because... Past, yeah, I need to, but kind of just enjoy it. Um, was really good. It was really good. Um, so yeah. yeah. So come down next time. <laughs> if there's going to be a next time, <laughs> that's what we're going to discuss today. So um, we were po- poeting away, poeting away. I think that sounds better. We were poeting away. Still not a word. We're amusing. Well, if you didn't have a muse whilst we were writing, you, you, we did have a muse. Exactly. So you weren't. So you weren't amusing. Wait, what? what? What did you say? I said we were amusing. What do you mean you're amusing? What do you mean we we're poetic? We're poetic. <laughs> we're writing poetry. We're all making words out here. <laughs> anyway, so 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 we so we finished the writing seg- um, segment of of tonight, and we, we were moving on to the the open mic segment. So everyone gets a chance to perform anything they want to perform. And then this guy walks in the door. He was clearly high. He was clearly clearly. Hood rat, should I say? Is that is that a fair <laughs> description? He was an urban ferret. <laughs> <laughs> an urban ferret. Man. <laughs> fella, fella. Oh. <laughs> and, like as soon as he walked in the door, like that the atmosphere changed fully. Like there was just so much tension in the air. Do you know I think the tension came from the way he introduced himself when he walked in. Because he literally just walked he, he in. He didn't introduce himself. He did. He, he just walked in and he was like, what are you man on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what's yeah. going on here? What's, what service is this? Yeah. And everyone's like, raw. <laughs> you, just, you just literally just bowl into one closed session, yeah. essentially, and you're saying, what are you man on? What are you man doing here? Yeah. And you, you look like... You look like you're highly under the influence of illegal substances. Mm. And... He wasn't like the cleanest of persons to to, to walk into. Um, so visibly, there was, there was like a major difference. Um, mm. So I think that just kind of set people off, and they were like, "Well, like, what's what's going to happen?" Mm-hmm. And like, whilst he was there, he wasn't he wasn't. I wouldn't call him aggressive, but he could have been. He could have turned aggressive. In yeah, if the um, yeah. circumstances, like he seemed a bit on edge. And that put everyone else on, yeah. on edge. Yeah. And like after, like after the poetry night, um, I was talking to my brother and, and and a couple other guys that were there, and they said, "Why don't I tell him to leave?" Um, and I was like, "Because it, as much as we say it was a closed session, it wasn't a closed session. It was anybody yeah, who wants to was, come yeah, and write poetry open. can come and write poetry." Yeah. And like he wasn't, he, he wasn't being disres- disrespectful. Apart, yeah, from, yeah. apart from swearing, no, no, no. no. <laughs> He had, yeah, he, he was acting like he had Tourette's swearing every, like, two or three, <laughs> two or three words that he spoke. 
but he wasn't but he wasn't being disrespectful mm. I want to call, the, call, call, call his behaviour disrespectful do you know what um, I once occupied a similar space in the sense of I couldn't go a sentence without swearing Mm. And it wasn't due to aggression or anything. It's just literally my vocabulary was just so populated with profanity that yeah, it yeah, was just yeah. a natural part of it. I mean, I didn't find it. I, f- I felt it was a bit disrespectful because I felt it was a bit disruptive, um, and and it was it was like, um, yeah, it just it wasn't even trying to observe or, or trying to figure out what the flow of the room was. Mm. It was just. You know, really, just like a, yeah, disrespectful of the way that the 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 atmosphere was or, or the setup of. of the now, I feel like if, if it had been you that did that, it would have been disrespectful because you know better. Like the way mm. he was acting, like, was clear, like, clear that he didn't know. Fair enough. Yeah, and you better. Yeah, and that's my thing. You go into a new place, you observe, you try and figure out what's, what what's the vibe here. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he just came in. So I found and it disruptive, and I found it quite like yeah, and because you know I didn't I didn't initially identify that he was on something. Yeah. But I identified that it could go south at any moment. It could. And um, honestly, I was okay with, with him being there as long as he wasn't like harming anyone else in the room in mm. in any way, like. Like, like I said, he wasn't being, like, verbally... Yes, it was. No, yes, it was. A, a, apart from the swearing, like, towards in, in individuals, individuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't, he wasn't, um... Mm. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. until the end. <laughs> until, until the end, yeah, but when he came in, I, I tried to wrap things up as quickly as I could, without, without it making it seem like I tried to wrap things up as quickly as I could. Mm. But he was a very interesting individual. And he was a high individual. He was high. He was high. <laughs> and at one point, um, we thought he was going to attack me. <laughs> Be- because of where Mo lives. And, literally. And like, literally. <laughs> like apparently, one of his friends had been stabbed by by um, by someone who lives in the same area as Mo. He thought I knew and I wasn't trying to own up to knowing him. Mm. I was just like, raw, blood. Like, yeah. It was just such a mess. It was. It was, <laughs> it was an interesting mess. It was. Yeah. But I did say he could come back next ne- next month. I didn't tell him when <laughs> next month the next one would be. No, you do say the second Sunday. Of month yeah, he's not gonna. He's, he's not, not gonna, gonna remember, remember that. Yeah, he's not gonna remember. <laughs> so you're very tactical, and even away you invited him. Yeah. If he does remember and comes, that would be interesting, though. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I'll, I'll talk to the guys. I think I will lock the door from like seven. Yeah. <laughs> from seven. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that would be a good thing. So yeah, um, yeah. It's just that I just feel like there needs to be a balance between being welcoming, but still allowing it to be a safe space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And with with Omar's um, arrival, it became kind of hard to do that mm. because on the one hand, I, I, I didn't want him, to, I, I don't want to tell him to leave yeah. because there wasn't like an outright reason why. Yeah. He needed to leave. You but, don't fit in, innit? Yeah, but on the other hand, but but on the other hand, um, I didn't want I didn't want anyone else to feel uncomfortable, mm. even though he made them feel very, very uncomfortable. Mm. But then it, it, it was church and like we were all Christians there, so I thought 
you know, this this could be a chance for us to show mm. to, uh, to show grace to someone. Mm. But he was actually crazy. He went from saying that he does eat pork to eat a pepperoni pizza. I was I was so confused. Literally, literally, literally. He was like, oh yeah, man, I don't I don't eat pork and that, but I'm, I mess with pepperoni. And I'm like, blood. You do know pepperoni is made from pork. Right? But yeah, um. I found it very interesting. So how do you feel like we handled the situation? Do you think we should have told him to leave as soon as he came in? I mean, personally, like, thinking about it, I feel a bit convicted in that. I, I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't thinking, initially anyway, I wasn't thinking, oh, you know, maybe God brought him here for a reason. I was just thinking, this is someone who could potentially be dangerous, get him out. Mm-hmm. And that, that was the only thing I was, initially, you know, that's the only thing I was thinking. Uh, so I didn't even give myself a chance to mm. pray or ask God or see what God wanted to do. I was just like, this is a potential threat. Mm-hmm. Neutralise it. Essentially, and that's that's the thing. It's like, um, because a couple of the people that were there were under 18. Yeah. yeah. So working as a youth minister, the first one that flagged up for me is safeguarding. Mm-hmm. It's like, are the children in this place safe? Um Children have agreed to come here. We've agreed to take them on. We have a responsibility to ensure that they're safe. Mm. Um, I actually think I need to do like a safeguarding thing in front. So it's like there's a responsibility in terms of safeguarding that we keep them safe. Yeah. Um, when he first came in and he announced himself like that, I, I'm not going to lie, I got on edge because I was like, exactly what Peter was saying, mm. what's he about to do? That was the first thing that came into my mind. What's he about to do? So I didn't necessarily see it as, let's take him out. (laughs) (laughs) I saw it more as a case of... I saw it more as a case of watching very closely. Mm. Um, Just see, because I know that if we went now, leave, that could escalate very quickly into something else that shouldn't be. Um, But if it's a case of, if we continued and it was like, nah, this is dead, I'm leaving... Mm. At least he's gone off his own accord. Mm. But kind of just examining it and observing him very closely without making it seem as though we're just trying to keep eyes on him or tabs on him. Mm. And ensuring that he operates in a manner that doesn't put anyone out or doesn't put anyone in direct hope yeah. or direct danger. Yeah. That that was my initial yeah. concern. And after I saw him kind of the way he settled in, my attention shifted, but we'll get into that. Yeah. <coughs> I, I feel, feel like, like you handled it. I, I feel like settled is the wrong word. <laughs> um, I feel like based on what happens on like Sundays, like so we get like quite a few homeless people coming in drip for, for the service. Mm. Some people who are are intoxicated, mm. but but they're calm. Mm-hmm. So like so like there's not a problem. Sometimes someone might come and be a bit destructive, but. We work around them, mm-hmm. just just so like they don't feel like um, they're an outsider. Mm-hmm. So like we we like we're like quite patient with them mm-hmm. when they do have their moments. Mm-hmm. So so for me, I just saw it as as one of those kind of moments. Only difference was like a lot of those people are like middle aged mm-hmm. and predominantly white. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, dealing with. A black youth, that's a whole different... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's and a whole you, different... You know it, like, I'm not, I'm not without trying to sound like a stereotype or anything, like, this guy looked like he just came fresh out of a trap house. <laughs> like, he looks like he... 
and in for those who don't know like trap house is like literally where drugs are kind of like made and sold um he he doesn't look like he 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 look he looks very unkept and looked as though he he was at work oh. to some degree and yeah he he was high um so he just looked as though he 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 was coming from a, from that sort of place um and yeah when he walked in I was like part of me was like yeah this this is part of what the salvation army kind of does mm. in terms of reaching out to to the homeless to those in need and stuff and that's kind of what you're known for um when I first heard of the salvation army um I recognized them as a charity rather than as a church and then later on I, I was reading a book from um one dead um pastor or something and they mentioned that he was working with the salvation army and I was like oh snap it actually makes sense salvation yeah. army yeah. it makes sense <laughs> um and that's when I started to realize that it's a christian organization and then the christian stuff started to stand out to me a lot more um but I just knew them as a charity that worked with the homeless people and kind of put on shelters and stuff like that um so I was kind of wondering if that's why he kind of came in as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think partly for me, it, 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 it might have been a bit naive, but I just felt like because we're in, like, House of God, that nothing would pop off. But then you just have to think about what happened in America with that guy going into that church and shooting yeah. up everybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so like, even in, like, the house, the house of God, you can't even say that you're 100% going to be safe all the time. Yeah. yeah. Which is why some of us were on edge. Um, and well. do you know what? I have to admit, I was... I felt comfortable or a bit more safe because I had assessed the room hmm. and I had assessed the the fighting capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> I had assessed the fighting capabilities within the room. So I was like, there's only one of him. There's at least three of us who will be able to body this guy. No, those fight. There was, there was us three. Those Addy and that was my brother. That's, and that's the thing. It's like <laughs> them guys. I don't necessarily know to what capacity they can fight. Like Peter, I can mm. vouch, and I've seen them fight. Um, and, my, and my brother was ready. <laughs> you told me like, like yeah, he was ready. I was like, yeah, like I can vouch in terms of I've seen a couple of them fight, mm. and like I've seen like aggressive tendencies or whatever, so I can know that. All right. If anything pops off, unless this guy is like a secret Hulk, someone's going to be able to hold him down. It might be an ugly situation, but someone's going to be able to hold it down. So I was a bit. And one thing I didn't want was for him to for him to get aggressive, and then call some other people to come <laughs> come in as well. Mate, if he, if you got aggressive and like something happened, I would have been hopping into the car and leaving. Like, yeah, I'm like popey po done. I'm out. <laughs> But, um, and for me, it was, I didn't really think it all the way through. I just kind of saw it as, all right, we've got people here that can do anything if anything pops off. Um, not necessarily beat him up, but like restrain, sleep a hold, just night, night. And then, um, keep it moving. Mm. So that, that was going through my head as well. Um, I think for me, in retrospect, I mean, there and then, it was, yeah, much like more assessed. I already had a plan of attack, like... <laughs> And how to stop him from... Peter was looking for a reason to attack him. Mate. Um, but 
like afterwards and then like seeing how you interacted with him and seeing Robert and thinking about like even the Salvation Army as well. Like I struggle with um, coming to terms with the fact that most of my um, Christianity has been amongst like-minded people. Mm. I haven't had to uh, deal with the people that Christ himself would have dealt with, you know, mm. the disenfranchised, the Omars, you know, them lot. Um, it's mostly been with, at least, at the very least, civilised um, yeah. people. So mm-hmm. it was like, I, it really showed me a, an area which I was lacking um, because I had I had no way to interact with him mm-hmm. other than, you know, part of me hoping that he tries something. <laughs> you know what, yeah. Shout out to Mo to like actually like engaging him yeah. and uh, talking yeah. to him about Christ. Yeah, Cause like that was that was the the, the furthest thing from my <laughs> from my mind. To be perfectly honest, mm. like I was, I was just trying. I just didn't want anyone to get hurt. I didn't want anything to yeah. to, to start. I yeah. just wanted to get to the end of the night, mm. get everyone home safely. And you know what? Yeah, in all honesty, I think everyone still played a vital role. In the sense of, it's, it's you know, we're the body, mm. and not everyone's going to have the same giftings or the same mm. understandings of things. Mm. So, for instance, we had you, Robert, who was very much mindful of the event, making sure that everything kind of keeps on track. Mm. Nothing is derailed because of him. And then we had Peter, who was like the bouncer. <laughs> he was ready if anything happens to be able to physically put a stop to it. And then you had someone like me who was able to interact with them. Mm-hmm. And then you had the other people who were able to kind of like, and you as well to a degree, speak to the others who were there to kind of keep them calm. Mm-hmm. So it's like everyone kind of played a role in it to allow it to flow as as easier, easily as it did. Um, I kind of occupied the, the opposite space to Peter where... Um, in becoming Christian is when I actually started to hang around with more civilised people and hang around with people who were a lot more calmer. Mm. Whilst before that, like, literally, the life that he was living was the life that I sought to live. Mm. And because of that, I hung around with people like him. I hung around with people who, as I said, like, I think I did, I might not have said it on the podcast, but, like, I couldn't finish one complete sentence without swearing. Mm. And that was just on a constant basis. Luckily, I didn't speak to my mom in English, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. That that, that wasn't an issue. Mm. And whenever I was speaking to like a teacher or something, I had to be mindful not to swear. Mm. Like literally, um, I was at work, and I was speaking to one of my friend's sisters, and my friend was there. And I spoke to her like polite, nice, this and that. And literally within a split second, I turned to my boy, slang, swearing. And the girl was just there looking at me like, are you two different people? So it's like I kind of, I occupied the same space without necessarily being as deep as he was in. And the one thing that I find that was difficult was no one really connected with me on that level um, everyone kind of expected me to change and mm-hmm. expected to communicate or connect with me on that changed level mm-hmm. but not necessarily where I was and to hear 
the gospel or to hear about God spoken in a way that I normally communicate would be one that I, I feel would have like broken barriers. Mm. So I, I would feel like, well, like I can I can connect with God, speak in slang. Obviously, I would hope that as you mature, that won't be the totality of your vocabulary. But um, I don't need to change to hear or be with God. Mm-hmm. But being with God will change me sort of thing. Mm. Um, and just to talk to them on a level, talk, be spoken to on a level that... Like, you are you're still human mm-hmm. sort of thing yeah so do you feel like a poetry event is a place for such conversations to happen um in such a especially in such a like tense atmosphere like we were in no I mean I, it was only tense because we kind of didn't mm-hmm. well most of us didn't really know how to deal with it in an appropriate way so if that makes sense if you were to come again, come, come again next month, do you think it would be as tense? Um, for the for the under, if it was to begin high next month, next month, yeah, I'd, I'd probably have to send yeah, them away. Next it, 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 would, it would just be as 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 would you difficult? Yes, I think as the event organizer okay okay yeah looking at it from that perspective mm-hmm. yeah and like looking at like the safety mm-hmm. of like especially at the younger ones there yeah like you know i think if it was just a group of you know guys i saw there and like you know everyone's capable of taking care of themselves it would be a whole lot less mm-hmm. tense like mm-hmm. just by virtue of the company mm-hmm. but because there are younger uh girls there um I'm not saying that younger girls can't take care of themselves yeah no, no, but I mean, who are obvi- who are visibly yeah, yeah, destroyed. <laughs> like they, they were, like you could you could literally see the tension, the concern, and the worry in their face. Like, mommy, <laughs> yeah, um, it, it it created a different atmosphere. So. You know what? I think answering the same question in terms of the event, in terms of a poetry event, I don't necessarily think that was the best place to have that conversation. Um, but. I do still kind of see as God presented us with that opportunity to have that conversation with him. Um, God present God doesn't always present um, opportunities in a context which we deem appropriate. Mm. Um, so like Jesus spoke to the woman caught in the act of adultery. I don't think she had the chance to get dressed, put on her shoes. She put didn't on come repentant. Like, and she was dragged from that place of adultery before him. Um, so thing, he was just is, walking. We forget like that. That bit's just just cutting in. We forget what that means. Like to be caught in adultery, she was probably doing stuff, and then they caught her. Literally, <laughs> literally, she was in the middle of something. But it also speaks to where was the guy? Where was the guy? And well, how? Yeah, and so how did they know that she was committing adultery? Was someone like peeping top? It must like it must have been. Yeah. It must have been. Like, they were in the acts. Maybe your husband came in and he was like, Oh, so don't So you don't catch the guy, you just take your you wife. You just take the wife, like, you know. It, it, it must it must have been as such. But anyway, yeah, finish it. So point. yeah, sorry. Um it's like some of the conversations don't necessarily happen mm-hmm. in the best of places. Um and it's just kind of recognizing opportunities and making use of it. I'm I'm saying it like this because it is a opportunity that I kind of that connects with me like if it was in like a upper class church 
and some millionaire comes sits down looking all gloomy and stuff like that, more than likely I won't go talk to him. <laughs> I would expect somebody else of his ilk mm. to go talk to him. His ilk? Yeah. So like, more along his lines. Someone else who can relate. Cause I, yeah, because I, I feel like if I go, he's going to, automatically I'm like, he's going to just see me as this black guy, um, can't really speak, articulate proper English, whatever, and he's going to look, turn his nose down at me. And to be honest, if I'm trying to tell you, tell you about God's love and you're looking at me like that, I might end up displaying God's wrath. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's just that. But it's like, I think that context yeah. was one that I felt comfortable with. Because mm. um, I have spent the most part of my younger years with guys like that. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, for me, it's just familiar. So, if the poetry event wasn't the best atmosphere or place, that's not the right word I'm looking for, the word. anyway, the, the, the best place for such a conversation mm-hmm. to take place, you think that it's up to us to go and seek him out to maybe have, have, have a follow-up conversation with him or just wait for him to come back? Or, or, or like for us to just like happen across him one day? Do you know what? I'll actually go back. To if the poetry event was the place for it um, I wouldn't say no and I wouldn't say yes simply because I would say um, the best place for those type of conversations wherever God kind of takes, you. Yeah, takes yeah. you and presents the opportunity yeah. um, going out to look for him for me is kind of like you're hounding him um, I'll kind of see you as more like a Jehovah Witness or something like that like trying to hand me a track and then like take me through some next oh. heresies. But that being um, said, he he did seem interested in in God, and then he was talking about how his what, what was his, his auntie, auntie, his auntie, his auntie was, was a pastor, pastor. <laughs> was a pastor, which was his idea of salvation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like, so like, there's something there. Yeah, and that just needs to be cultivated. Yeah, as I said to him, I definitely believe that there was a reason he came when he did. Um, no one just walks into a church high and it's like, what are you guys doing? What service is it? Um, for you to ask what sort, what service is it shows that you had some sort of an interest in what was going on there. Um, so, yeah, I don't see it as a coincidence. Um, and he did seem receptive, as he said, his auntie's a pastor, this and that. I didn't get to complete the conversation with him because he thought I stabbed one of his friends. Well, he knew someone who stabbed one of his friends. Oh, yeah. Um, and then he said he's praying for my life. I'm like, um, yeah. But um, it, it's, it's, it's kind of like what Peter says in terms of it's not necessarily clear-cut. Rather, it's being sensitive to the spirit of God and seeing it's God doing something else. It's God leading us here. Yeah. Um, well, I was going to say, like, it would be based on your convictions. Like, yeah. do you feel convicted to go look for him? Mm-hmm. You know, and and follow up, or is it is it cool to have planted that seed? You know, and and at least extended. Like, I f- I would feel that it would have been a different, or I would have felt differently if he had come in. I didn't have any way to interact with him. Um, and no one did, or, or like mm. Mo wasn't there, and so everyone kind of like remained tense, and it was like, you know, keeping my arm's length, and he mm-hmm. left as such, you know. Um, but since, you know, by God's providence, you were there, you were able to interact with him to some extent. Um, I think it's it's a seed in and of mm. itself. 
that God's planted. I think this, for me, it brings up a question or an observation, really. Do we see barriers or do we, yeah, do we see barriers to kind of sharing God's word um, and displaying who God is? Do we see barriers in terms of context? Is this the right context for me to share this, to share the gospel? Uh, barriers in terms of presentation of the individual, barriers in terms of um, this is outside of church, I can lose my job, like, yeah, do you see that you said that that means said we weren't in church at the time. We were in church. It just wasn't a church service. Yeah. yeah. Um personally I, I do see barriers but I, I see barriers not necessarily based on presentation or anything, just based on am I able to genuinely interact with you mm. and present a genuine message because mm. I feel I would be more like back when I used to distribute uh, tracks because you had to distribute tracks mm-hmm. um, and it was like yeah everyone has to go and distribute tracks because that's what the evangelism leader wants to do mm-hmm. I would sometimes feel bad if you know in giving someone tracks and maybe they want to interact and talk a little bit more I have nothing to say mm-hmm. I'll feel like I have misrepresented the gospel to them mm-hmm. and I'd go home feeling bad that that could have been someone that maybe God could have saved and it was my fault if they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's always been a matter of, is there something genuine here that I can share with you? Mm-hmm. Not not saying that's what the gospel needs to be propagated, mm-hmm. but if I'm going to tell you about God, I need to come from a genuine place. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to come from a genuine place, it has to be, or in my mind, it has to be somewhere where you, we can genuinely relate or, or talk about something that means something to both mm. of us so that's that's why I have most barriers so like you said you know, someone like Omar coming in you know speaking slang if I was to try and talk to him and try and speak slang it would be patronising if I was to try and speak as I am it would seem patronising mm. so it would just be I can't really speak to you but then what about like if you look at Jesus' first disciples they were all like fishermen they, they were all like like almost outcasts. Yeah. Like yeah, the they like, were outcasts. Like yeah. like the one people you would yeah. think could share mm. like the message. Mm-hmm. But like they were the first people to share the message. Yeah. And like they would have shared shared with like kings and like upper classmen. So then like looking at that you don't don't you feel like that's just proof that you don't need a starting point of relating you know relatability. Um, well actually just just with that from from that same point, you know, the fact that someone like Peter, who was an outcast, was, um, you know, considered the apostle to the Jews, and yet someone like Paul, who was a Jew, you know, a trained Jew by, like, all measure, you know, one of the higher echelon, was the apostle to the Gentiles. You know, like, that in and of itself, you know, almost buttresses your point, but also says it's it's a matter of in in Paul being it, being who he was he was able to speak to the Gentiles using you know using things that they understood he was mm. quote from Greek poets Greek pagan poets and and using analogies that they understood as well mm. so it, it, I think it's it's not necessarily in a starting point but it's being equipped for the message yeah. and God equipping you for the message mm-hmm. you know and I don't feel like I'm just by virtue of the fact that I don't have anything to say, uh, I, I'm not equipped for interacting with certain um, ways that I think is is genuine. Um, yeah, like the the only time I've had success to some extent is with other martial artists because we can talk about, you know, we can all talk about, you know, the, the struggle of martial arts or you know having to 
face through the pain or stuff like that mm. and we can talk about that and then I can talk about Chris and how I experience him through that um, but with some with other situations like a millionaire what am I going to talk to you about Literally. I ain't got thousands um, in my account <laughs> I've got two million and I still feel empty yeah I'm driving a polo and I still feel empty <laughs> I haven't got any diesel I'm empty <laughs> you know like yeah so mm. I, I do see barriers in that yeah. aspect. And also, to add on to what Peter was saying in agreement, it's like, um, I kind of see a sense of God equipping you for where he's calling you to go, a sense of God kind of giving, almost giving, not almost, but God giving you the tools that you'll be using yeah. for what he's called you to do. So um, he did say he caused the lowly to um, confound the wise and the, and, and the foolishness of the world to, well, yeah. Yeah, confounded otherwise yeah I said that wrong but you know what I'm saying <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and it's the case of fishermen um, tax collectors just day to day commoners who are kind of seen as lowly mm. he took poured into for three years and allowed them to pour into others mm. and to kind of show it isn't your status or where you, where you kind of get to mm. that's going to get you anything before but so it could possibly be like God will use someone who's poor to speak to someone who's rich and be True. like, all right, cool. Like, True. yeah, you've got all of this mm-hmm. and you feel empty. I've got none of this, but I've got Christ and I feel full. Mm-hmm. And there's that there's that truth there. And I'm praying that my uncomfortability in that situation doesn't prevent me from kind of sharing anything if God has given me the heart to do it. And as Peter was saying, if I feel like God has given me something to say, then I pray that my un- uncomfortability in terms of status doesn't prevent that. But I also see, in terms of kings, the one king that I am reminded of immediately was um, the Roman Empire, Caesar. Mm. And it was Paul that was sent there. Mm. And even Paul being sent to the Gentiles, God kind of picked the cream of the crop of the Jews where the Jews have no interaction with Gentiles. So to take one of the best of the Jews and send him to the Gentiles is kind of showing that I've accepted you so much that I am willing to take one of the best of Jews who is trained, who has learned, who knows the law, who knows that and by mingling with you, according to the law, he's pretty much no longer acceptable because he's defiled himself. And he's the one who's kind of sharing the gospel. And for him to go to the kings as well, he was a man of knowledge, he was a man of wisdom, he was a man who knew the law, knew the scriptures. He was a Roman. By birth, he was a Roman. And there's a sense of like he, God had built him up for that. And he was able to speak to them. Paul, I mean, Peter, for the most part of me reading the, the book of Acts, he didn't go to kings or anything he was working with the Jews and he went to Cornelius who was a Gentile just to kind of, yeah, he went to Cornelius who was a Gentile and even that he got ridiculed for. Mm. Um, But Paul, his whole ministry was just outside of it. So God had kind of equipped them for different things. Um, One is not greater than the other. Mm. It's just two different works for the same God. Mm. Do you think if Omar had come into your church service on a Sunday, he would have been told to leave? My church service. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think he would have been told to leave. Um, I do feel people feel uncomfortable. Mm. I do feel that. Um, if he came and he was as rowdy as he was during a church service, um, I do know that they would keep a close eye on him. 
Um, and again, that's for like safeguarding reasons. Because we've got a lot of kids in the church, so it'll be from safeguarding reasons. But between myself and the youth minister, the main youth minister there, we we're black. We kind of come. Both of us have lived in the same area, in, in this area, mm. and we've kind of spent most of our lives here, and we just kind of vibes on that level. So I think between the two of us, we would be able to engage with him. Mm. Um, but I think the wider communi- uh, community within the church would be very wary. Um, so, yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I, I've got names. I know people who would engage. Not, not engage with them even on your level, but on a more... Um, like hospitality kind of level, yeah. like the way yeah. African aunties do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there'll be, he wouldn't be asked to leave, mm. but there'll be people, you know, to, they're, they're the really, really friendly type. They'll take you to a seat and sit with yeah. you and yeah. that and you. Yeah, we've um, got like a, sorry, so it's quite, we've yeah. got like a hospitality team as well. Yeah. As soon as you come in, they're offering you drinks, they're yeah. trying to get to talk to you and this and that. Mm-hmm. So I definitely feel like from the time he comes in, there's like a, the main door, and then you walk through a second set of doors, then you walk through a third set of doors where you actually get into the main church. So between the second door and the third door is where the hospitality team is. Mm-hmm. So people would have picked him off as mm-hmm. soon as he walked through those doors mm-hmm. and they would have directed him towards the hospitality team mm-hmm. where they will get to like interact with him. If he's high, um, get something substantial down the system, mm-hmm. um, a hot drink, like biscuits, whatever. Um, because, yeah, when you're high, like, having food and stuff in your system does a lot for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they would have engaged with him, kind of met that need. Stop laughing. Met that need. <laughs> 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 and then, yeah. Um, I wasn't even laughing. So, yeah, but if he came into the service mm-hmm. that rowdy, I do know that it will kind of rustle some feathers. But um, I do think that people, they'll trust those who've been left for like hospitality and stuff to kind of deal with it okay. is it a sin to be high? Um, I need to go and check the verse but my 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 I'll say my doctrine on that is uh, where Jesus says can they rob a go into a house and steal lest the strong man not be there mm-hmm. um, and I need to check the context but just from that what I take from it is um, if you consider your mind or your heart a home, if you do anything that removes your ability to think rationally, um, then you are essentially not there and the strong man, the devil, can come in and steal. So um, being drunk, being high, anything that affects your your mental capacity to control yourself, not necessarily sin, but it, it opens you up to... Well, being drunk, the Bible says not to be drunk, so... Mm-hmm. You know that if the Bible says not to do it, I consider that sin. Yeah. But um, if you know anything that affects your mental, uh, your mental state, uh, and uh, and removes you from complete control of your being, uh, open you up to be used by the devil in some way, means or form. Yeah. I consider sin. So yeah, yeah I think um, most people say drinking alcohol is a sin. Um, nah, it's just not to be drunk. And um, in my church, like, alcohol is like, it's like water. Um, <laughs> trust me, it's like water. Church you go to again? Yeah, I haven't said the name. 
It's like <laughs> the bare people wanted to know. Trust me, but um, uh, it's always kind of parenthesized with in measure. Mm. So you can drink in measure. Don't drink to be drunk. As Peter was saying, if it affects your mental state, then you're kind of going a bit too far. Um, if you drink to the point where your liver is starting to collapse, like, well, you need to be easy in it. Like, your body is a temple. So to kind of honour God in the way that you kind of utilise your body. I know some people will argue medicinal cannabis or whatever, some kind of smoking to relieve the pain. If there's a genuine need, Mm. and like you feel God has given you the go ahead to do it who am I to kind of say stop Mm. Um, some people might say yes there's a genuine need but I don't want to defile my body with this substance I'd rather trust in God to heal me Mm. and I'll say yeah go for it if if that's your conviction go for it Um, my main sort of notion when it comes to substances is is it altering your your state of mind is it altering your state of being is it leaving you vulnerable to certain things if so don't really get into it and this will even go for painkillers um, if your painkiller has a side effect of hallucination and suicidal tendencies do you really need to be taking that um, but if it's just like normal as, um, paracetamol and you're like yeah no I'm like cool because like um, Jamelia's body can't function on ibuprofen so it's not a case of conviction or whatever naturally her body can't function on it so it's not wise for her to take it because mm. it alters her body bodily functions so again weed will alter your, your mental capacity some people think they can think a lot better or clearer with it but naturally it is altering your your reasoning capabilities mm. um, so obviously avoid it um, and that's again I know that Jesus says that is not what goes into your mouth goes into the body that defiles you by what comes out um, but we do know that once you're drunk once you're high it very much has a direct impact on what comes out yeah. of your body yeah. Um, yeah. and if, you do, if you're not Bible says we should be self-controlled you should have self-control if it affects your ability to maintain composure and be self-controlled is it really of God? Mm. 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 Well, and also to that I think and you think that Makes you addicted. Yeah, you should you should stay away from it. Yeah. For real. Yeah. What about sex? If it's, if it replaces God, if you become addicted to it and it replaces God in your life, yes, yeah. stop having yeah. sex. <laughs> <laughs> no, that I agree. But when, when you said if it can be addictive, avoid it. Um, so would you avoid sex if it can be addictive in your life? All right. Um, or would you put in measures so that it won't become <laughs> sex fiend? <laughs> Well, the Bible says that, you know, have sex. What? Unless you're having... Uh, except for those times for prayer, innit? Mm-hmm. So, I don't think there's, there's such a... As long as it's with your wife and you're both consenting, I don't think there's anything... But the thing is, do you think your wife may start to feel pressured into having sex with you because, like, you want it so much? Your appetite for sex is much greater than hers. Well, that's why. But she's still kind of giving it to you. That's when the conversation has to. That, that's when being honest in the conversation comes in, and then you have to. You have to understand that, that like this is your wife. It's in being a husband. It's all about sacrificing. Mm. So if, if your wife says it's a bit much, then you have to go out, go 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 without for a bit. I thought you were gonna mm. say go elsewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
about stuff like coffee? Because like you can you know, know people who can't like start start the day without a cup of coffee. I'll say exactly the same thing that I said with drugs, and the thing that I said with weed and alcohol. Um, there are people who are addicted to caffeine, mm. Mm. who look turn their noses up mm. at people mm. who are addicted to to, um, to weed. Yeah. And I'm like, you're you're in no better position. Yeah. If you generally cannot start your day without without um, coffee. That's an addiction, mate. I mean, to some extent, you know, there's also sleep earlier or something. Yeah. Like, you know, like, but yeah, no, exactly. And I think that's what Paul was saying in one of the places where he says all things are permissible, mm-hmm. but I will not be under the influence. I will not be put under the power yeah. of anything. Yeah. I think he's talking about addiction where you can't fact you you your physiology changes so that you cannot function mm. without those things. Mm. Those things are, are, are things worth avoiding. Yeah, I think. Um, in Peter saying that something is trivial, um, and I'm not, I'm not sending shots, but something is trivial is like chocolate. Yeah, it's shot, right? It's <laughs> cool. <laughs> it's like I'll take the shot. <laughs> it's like um, so. I, I feel anything can become addictive. Absolutely. Games yeah. can become addictive. There, there was a time when, like, playing the PS3, PS2, mm-hmm. became my escape from reality. So it's like whenever something was happening that I didn't want to face up to it, I'll just turn on the PS3 and start playing. And that became my escape. Um, music can become addictive. You think so? Yeah. In what way? Again, escape from reality. Like, I can't... Um, anything, if you start to have an unhealthy appetite for something, um, you, you can kind of make an idol of it. Mm. Um, we can be so consumed with listening to songs about God that we don't actually spend time with God, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, photography. I can abuse photography. I can be so consumed with taking pictures that I don't spend time with my family. Mm. So anything that not only alters our state but kind of takes, rearranges our priorities um, should be reevaluated, not avoided, reevaluated. Mm. If, you, if you're evaluating it and you're like, yeah, I need to avoid it, then... That's the result of your evaluation, and evaluation should be done in, should be done prayerfully. There you go. Cool. I think that'd be a nice place to end off today. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Thank you for listening, guys. Yeah. Um, give us some thoughts. Something you think we talked about? Trust yeah. me. Do you have any addictions? You know, if you've ever been addicted to chocolate and you beat your addiction, tell me how. <laughs> Chocolate's anonymous. CA. I'm there. <laughs> All right. Um, if you have any gangbangers, you you like to. To know Christ. I send them to milk. <laughs> I was about to say shout, shout. In fairness and that, that man just put me on a little latch. I might give it to temptation and try to pick a fight. <laughs> Alright, um, shout out to Partners of Rhyme for the intro and outro music. Yeah. Shout out to Calvin Turner for the Ordinary Amazing logo. Um... SoundCloud. You can find us on soundcloud.com forward slash the Blacksmith's Furnace. You can find us on all good podcasting websites. Just yeah. look for the Blacksmith's Furnace with an apostrophe. Mm. You can find us on Twitter at the Furnace UK. Mm. You can email us at tbsfurnace at hotmail.com. Mm. Um, handles? Um, H Muse H on Instagram. Um, I've kind of locked off Facebook, but um, Instagram should. I haven't actually posted on Instagram in a while. But the next time I start posting will be some new stuff. Mm. Um, I spend quite a considerable considerable amount of time just getting into Lightroom and stuff, so the work should be reflecting the amount of work and time that I've put into it. Mm. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Mm. 
check out um, Dave Girl Cafe. We might be working soon. Um, don't know, don't know. So shoot them how to, it's done. Something to look forward to. Um, yeah, that's that's it. I think that's it. Yeah. Cool. Then I guess this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out. Blah, blah. <laughs>